This podcast and all of its content is not intended to be medical advice and is meant only for general discussion and opinions on topics of interest that may even be highly controversial. Always consult your physician for medical advice. Welcome to the Soul Mirror Experiences podcast, where we encourage the exploration of our souls ranging from meditations to discussions with professionals on all things related to whole wellness. We're your hosts, Rhett and Kat, coming to you with cutting-edge topics on spirituality and consciousness and some weird-ass stuff that might just blow your mind. This podcast episode contains trauma and sexual trauma triggers throughout the episode. If this is something that may be difficult for you to listen to that you're not ready to address yet, or would be harmful for you, please skip this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Welcome to our podcast today. We're super excited to talk about shame and spirituality and religion, how sometimes it can be taken to the extreme, either implicitly, directly, or by our own cognitive distortions. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to head over to our website, HTTPS colon backslash backslash soulmirror.health and you can find tickets to our next experience so lunar balancing with cat and ret including a meditation food yummy drinks etc at city bird in salt lake city utah we're excited to see you guys there on november 30th at 7 p.m don't forget to head on over to our website soulmirror.health okay now let's get started, Rhett. Yeah, let's do it. And you know, I'd just like to start by saying shame on you. What? <laughs> For what? Right. How did that feel when I said that? Not good. Yeah, and that's why I think shame is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> so cruel. Yeah. Well, I didn't really mean it. Actually, it was just the, Thank you. it was just to demonstrate because I think everyone felt horrible when I said that. Mm. And so I'd like to start with that just because I feel very strongly that shame. It's only a bad feeling. It's only a bad feeling. And I think it's important before we get too far into this to mention that we are warning you. Here's a trigger warning. There may be some controversial topics regarding religion as well as sexuality, sin, and um, even assault. That's right. But it's going to be very insightful. So for those of you sticking along with it, thanks for joining us. We're going to start with talking about what is shame. So let's start with that question. What is shame? I feel like shame is the response that we have. It's like this little voice or a part of our shadow self or something inside of us. It's really just this ugly, shadowy monster that if you're getting down to the abstract, that gives us these little thoughts in our head. This is how I conceptualize shame personally is just as this little monster dude inside my mind just feeding me these negative thoughts, negative affirmations, lies, cognitive distortions, just kind of all of those awful things that come to your head like, oh my gosh, I'm too fat or no one likes me or blah, 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 that everyone has to different proportions depending on the day. Yeah, I don't know. Like how how would you define shame? Yeah, actually, I really like how you define that because it's like this feeling. Sometimes it's hard to even just pinpoint it. It's just you just getting these negative feelings and emotions just smashing you all over in your soul. So yeah, I feel like shame is basically that voice 
telling you all kinds of negative things about you, just like you said, where you're not good enough, there's something wrong with you, you're evil, you know, mm-hmm. you are don't belong here, you are less than everybody else, you're worse than everybody else. Oh, all of that feels so gross. Yeah. The more you go into it and define it, I'm just like, oh, stop it. Yeah, Like, because I'm internalizing it. Um, I actually I feel know. bad that I said shame on you at the beginning. Do you see how shame just creates more shame? <laughs> because it was just like a stupid <laughs> Well, what you just joke. did was so much worse. <laughs> okay. Okay, but anyways, taking what you said, what if we define shame as if we want to make it more tangible, more clear-cut, it is a response to letting people down on perceived expectations perceived or actual expectations and those expectations could Mm. be a range of things it could be somebody's opinion on sexuality gender identity social norm religious behaviors even just how you behave in etiquette at the dinner table dress code at school really anything around your friends parents peers that sort of thing yeah absolutely And we have to wonder, where does shame come from? When I think of humanity, it's easy to just see ourselves as this little person that was born here and and you think your whole life is everything. And and I like to look at shame and these type of things more as, you know, we talk about past lives. We talk about these other things. I'm talking about the history of humanity. I mean, life continues to evolve. There's births and deaths and family lines and DNA going into the future. And so to me, shame is something that's not just, I mean, it is in your life and you see it in your life, but it's a far deeper thing that's happening in humanity and it's a far bigger thing. So would you agree that it has something to do with transgenerational trauma as well as culture? For sure. And I think if people look at it that way, it's a more empowering perspective and will help us all combat it and empower ourselves to, to handle it better. Yeah, yeah, I really like that actually because in the religious aspect, which is the primary focus of today's episode, is shame in religion. I feel that the culture is a big, big primary mover for that because not all of the shame actually comes from the religious institutions. It comes from these, you know, humans and and their constructs socially, their relationships socially, differences in parenting. You even just look at the way one person parents versus another, and they could be neighbors, they could be in the same religion, they could be, you know, even went to the same school. And yet, one could rule their children with shame and threats and fear. And the other one could rule with love and kindness and validation and which one is more effective that's beautiful i really like that and what i really like about what you just said is going to how we're talking about shame as being this larger part of humanity it's a thing in humanity and spiritual progression really you know we focus a lot on an organization like a church for example or we focus a lot on a group or a a label And it's actually deeper than that. So when we're combating shame, for example, it's not that we're saying, well, the church is bad or the whatever is bad, even though there may be some bad things that are coming from an organization, but really understanding it, it's coming from. It's like within us, yeah. you know, like we, we have control over that. And I think that's the purpose of this podcast episode today is just really focusing on it doesn't matter what other people say or do. It doesn't matter what other organizations or religious institutions say or do. 
what matters is how you internalize and apply that in your life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, End of podcast. That's Done. right. You <laughs> You're empowered. Time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get into the hard stuff. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Where do we think shame comes from? And we have to think big here. We have to think, okay, look at the past. We always want to learn from the past. We want to think, how are these things passed down? I think social expectations and how somebody ideates that they want life to be run, usually those end up being political leaders and things like that. And then that influences through propaganda, through government-sponsored religions throughout history, and eventually religions separate from government in some situations. And there continues to be a similar dynamic of set expectations for behavior and what your identity is or how you're going to behave and see the world and believe. But what if, what if you don't? Like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I agree. I think shame is an unfortunate byproduct of some things that are negative and not good and wholesome, but also an unfortunate byproduct of perhaps some good things that we want. For example... Oh, good point. Like you know, super good things can, I mean, like the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to have good social norms, things that are healthy and good for people. Right. Yeah. Like However, we, we don't yeah. want to um, be weird. Right. But in that effort, we may unknowingly create incorrect social norms that are not really good for everybody. And then that's going to cause shame. <laughs> so like the idea of having good social norms that's a good thing. Things that will help everyone flourish, that will take into account differences in people. For instance, if someone's gay or not. So a social policy or a social good that doesn't take into account, for instance, a gay person is going to be harmful and cause shame. Right. So still allowing people their, their right to choice and freedoms on how they live and express themselves without taking away from other people in a detrimental way. Yeah. And then a bad thing that also causes shame would be like what you said. If there's a political agenda or propaganda that's being spewed out, really just for no other purpose than to control or spill your hot chocolate all over yourself. You okay there? <laughs> yeah. I hope you're not ashamed of that. It's just everyone spills hot chocolate on themselves. I've done it. You know. You are not less of a person. You it'll, are. It'll come out. It's okay. You you have become the hot chocolate. I'm one with my hot chocolate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, before we get into things too much, I think it's important to mention that in theology and philosophy, there's multiple religions that believe in like a darker power. For example, in Christianity, we have Lucifer or Satan, and he could also be viewed as the source of shame. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So regardless of what we believe, there's multiple answers to it, but it yeah. really just comes down to it's an unhealthy interpretation or balance of expectations upon a person. You know, the devil should be ashamed of himself for creating shame. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Completely. 100%. I know you're joking, but I'm like, oh, yeah, and do. No. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the next. Okay. This podcast really came from a request from one of our listeners. And so we are going to talk more in detail about religious influences and the idea of sin this idea of unholiness unworthiness not good enoughness whatever you want to call it and again this is not focused on one religion 
So although it is primarily influenced by a Christian background, mm-hmm. just due to the specificity of the listener's request. Okay, so there you go. Well, I would like to ask you, Kat, because oh, you like to throw things on me, and I love it. By the way, it's very good. Because I'm glad you love it because that's just who I am. I know it's wonderful. It also makes for a better podcast. So, I would like to ask you, please describe your experience. And I know this is personal because there's a lot of things going on, but you had mentioned before that you're no longer necessarily Christian or you'd fall under that category. But I'd like to hear from you exactly what you mean and how that ties in with this whole theme of shame. Yeah, it's a fairly complex issue. And I think that it's extremely personal and individual to each person. Their relationship with God or the universe or a higher being is their own. And so with that out of the way, with me sharing my personal experience and feelings, I'm not by any means saying everyone do exactly what I'm doing or this is how it is, but there might be someone else out there who deals with similar feelings of shame or trauma or otherwise that makes it difficult to participate in organized religion. So that is what I'm going to talk about. But jumping into that, I grew up Christian and very much so I you know, like scripture chases, memorizing scriptures, memorizing the commandments, you know, all of that stuff, ways to live, and wholeheartedly believed it. And then in 2014, I received some traumatic brain injury, as well as psychological trauma um, response to the event that put me in a weird place in my spirit, in my heart, and in my mind where I no longer felt a part of my body. I no longer felt a part of my religion. I no longer felt a part of my family. Of course, all of this is perceived on my part, not necessarily that people were actively kicking me out of my family or anything like that. None of that happened. It was, it was completely on my end due to these things. So, While I was going through the healing process, the most intense section was the first year following the traumatic event. And with that first year, I realized I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what's right, what's wrong. Like it was just gone. All of it was gone. And then every time I said, I love you to someone, I mean, it was hard. Because it felt like I was lying. I didn't understand what I was saying. It was like, okay, I know I've said this in the past. However, does it still apply? I don't know. My memory was so gone. And whatever memory was still there, I couldn't access because of the TBI. Okay. Now, do you want to describe more in detail about what that event was? Yeah. Okay. So I guess it does really tie into the shame issue. So... But first, religiously, I found myself stepping back from Christianity because I felt like I needed to respect it. And if I didn't feel like I believed it or didn't know what I believed, that it was not right for me to be practicing the the rituals and all of that stuff. Like it, it was almost disrespectful that I didn't believe in it and was doing it and so that is that's Dis- can I ask primarily a question? disrespectful yeah. to yourself to the institution or to both 
or was it one or the I, other? I would say both. It would it would be disrespectful to my personal belief that if you're part of a religion, you should be all in, um, or at least trying. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we can ever do is try to dedicate ourselves to something. And since I wasn't all in, I didn't even know what I believed anymore. Then that became kind of this like, well, I'm disrespecting my own personal belief and value system, as well as all of these other people who are part of this specific branch of Christianity and Christianity as a whole, you know? And so I I know that God is there. Like, I believe that wholeheartedly. I could never deny that. But in terms of organized religion, it was hard to sit in a chapel. It was hard to, to do all of that. So back to your question, now that we have that context there, in 2014, I actually was doing ethnic, ethnographic field research in India for my senior capstone and taking dance lessons. There were some incidences of assault as well as, I mean, I would say grooming and, you know, whether or not the perpetrator realized they were doing this, I have no idea. I honestly can't even say. And they might have been in a place where they didn't even believe what they were doing was wrong and maybe still don't. Who knows? I can't speak for them, but all I can do is speak for myself and for myself, it felt wrong. And through this process of repeated assault and rape, I received two concussions and, and then of course reacted in a a trauma response way, which caused also dissociation and memory loss. Well, that is extremely brave of you, really, to be able to talk about that and to share this. Thank you. I appreciate you holding space for that and also our listeners as well. I think it's important to also preface that I'm not looking for any validation or justice or anything at this point. I'm just trying to share so that there's more clarity in understanding. So in coming back from India, there was this fear and even while i was india in india it was like who do i even talk to there's no local police institution at the time that i was in that that part of india and the federal government there like requires i think within 24 hours of the event to report it to local authorities and I was just not emotionally in a place. I mean, I believed I was in the wrong. I legitimately told my spouse that I had cheated on him and that I was sleeping with this person. And then after him asking several questions and being like, well, if it wasn't consensual, you know, after talking me through some of the stuff, then I was like, well, Catherine, that's not adultery, right? And so even there is an introduction of, you know, one of one of the things that we're talking about is shame based on these principles and they're supposed to be good things, but in some instances they can be quite damaging and I legitimately thought I was committing adultery. So there's a lot in there. So first of all, things that I, I was thinking about is there's probably a lot of people who will relate. So you had a lot of, when you described first all the effects that you've gone through and, and just how there's a connection in there that is difficult to see, but you experience it. In other words, what I'm saying is you experienced that traumatic event mm-hmm. and then the repercussions of it, it sounds as though 
Well, the it, shame just went crazy. Yeah, it, the shame goes off the charts. And mm-hmm. then that the result of that, it really does. It's just like, well, who am I? Like, what is going on? Makes you question yeah. everything. Like I lost, I, I felt like I lost everything. I lost my marriage. Mm-hmm. I lost my religion. I lost my family. I lost my friends. I lost my schooling. I still don't have my degree, although I'm applying to transfer to a different university right now. But at the time, I was at a private Christian university. And I did not report it. You know, like I mentioned to local authorities, but I also didn't report it to the university because I had a cognitive distortion, a perceived sense of shame that was so overwhelming that I thought that I would not be awarded the degree, that the grant that I wrote for, the funding would be pulled and I'd have to pay it all back, which I couldn't because it was all spent already on lodging and travel and everything and the research. And ultimately, (laughs) through going through the healing process and all this stuff, I ended up dropping out anyway. And so I still don't have the degree one way or the other. Whether or not I reported it, I don't know what would have happened. There's no way of saying that I would have been kicked out because it was a Christian university and they wouldn't have understood assault or, no, or Stockholm Syndrome type stuff, you know, like, would they have recognized it? Would they have seen it? Would they have held space or made accommodations for me to finish my last exam? I don't know. I do remember trying. I do remember calling someone, but it probably wasn't the right person because I just didn't know who to contact. And so then it, I just became silent and I just didn't do anything about it because that shame took over and... I was just like, I can't, I can't tell anyone about this. I can't blah, 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 because then I'll, I'll lose everything. And I already did. So I don't know. Shame is a beast. It is a beast. And another reason that you may have had those fears, we're not going to name any institutions here, but I personally know of people I legitimately know who had experiences and this can happen at any religious institution, really, who the religious leaders there who are integrated into the the educational community. Right, because it's, I mean, it's a private Christian yeah. university. And so they're, they have religious leaders as part of yeah. the, the board members and things. And unfortunately, they're not, you know, a lot of these people, they're not trained. They, they're not social workers. They're not psychologists or psychotherapists. They're not you know, they don't have training in this. And so I've, I've seen personally other people who, for instance, may have been kicked out of the institution and had a job there or may have been oh, yeah. no, you know, students or... <laughs> yeah, I've actually had several friends that just within their their local religious group group of peers that they went to their leaders and were, instead of receiving help and resources for being assaulted locally on campus they were instead shamed and and punished and some of them even lost their ability to attend the university however the perpetrator did not yeah and so that so 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 i think that that really like influenced you know because those i knew those things already Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like we're always told to go and ask for help and tell people and always mm-hmm. report it so you can like prevent it. But even that is shaming, you know, like, well, what if I can't yeah. report it emotionally? What if whatever? And then it's like, well, you could save a soul. And it's like, wow, you put so much pressure on my head for that. 
I would love to, and I'd be happy to, but there's literally nothing beyond, you know, like I, I couldn't take them to court. I have no evidence. Yeah. You know, I also would like to clarify one thing. Cause you said before that you were having a cognitive distortion of worrying about whether this university would do anything negatively to you. But I would like to say that I don't think it was a cognitive distortion. I believe that because of things you had seen, you had very good reason to believe that that could have been a possibility. So I actually feel like you had some... Yeah, like, it, I, I mean, it, it felt it like evidence, yeah. you know, like, and that fed the shame and the cognitive distortion. So I think it went further than what it, it would have been otherwise. Yeah, so I agree. Because otherwise there's already shame, but just right. having seen similar experiences not go well. Yeah. I just decided not to talk about it. So this is what's interesting. We talked about in our podcast before the previous episode, we talk about the shadow self. And and this is going back to sin. And I think the next logical and even emotional and deeply spiritual understanding of things goes back to the shadow self anyways. Because shame is it's something that we think comes from the shadow self. It's something that when we think of shadow self things, we think shame is pretty natural, especially when it's like sin or something. Well, and I wonder if it doesn't come from it, but what if it is the foundation of the shadow self? It's the insecurity. That's beautiful. That's exactly what it is. I, what you just said. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like smiled. It was like my inner student, you know, like that training that if you get the answer right, it's a good thing. And so as soon as like, yeah, that's beautiful. I was like beaming. So you don't have to be ashamed. Social for validation the wrong right no, there. I'm, I'm like, thank you for validating my answer. Well, I, I think that's really beautiful because that is exactly what it is. So the shadow self could be, for example, someone who does feel homosexual deep inside and doesn't want to admit it. Not because homosexuality is a sin or bad, in my opinion, at all, but because it's something that they're afraid to look at. Mm. You know, that, I mean, that could be an example of it is what I'm saying. Oh, definitely. And there was a separate uh, sexual assault that I experienced. And that was, I think, primarily motivated by feelings of homosexual attraction, shame on top of that, and then anger. You know, yeah. and, and that was unfortunately taken out on me, but I'm sure others as well, you know. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing what shame can lead us to do. And ultimately, I don't have any anger that I can. <laughs> I mean, like I'm like trying to rack my brain and my heart right now about what happened in 2014. And I don't feel anger at all. Because you realize, you know, we've mentioned before, you can have a lot more compassion when you realize that hurt people hurt people. Like, they must have been so hurt in order to do that. Yeah. And, and not realize that what they were doing. Yeah. Okay. So, and we know, I mean, we see this. This is another aspect of looking at shame. It's generational trauma. It's transgenerational trauma. Transgener thank you. Yeah. Transgenerational trauma. Yes, that's right. Because it goes through... Um, yeah, because generational trauma would be like a separate, you know, just talking about the past, okay, I would assume. Okay, I see. But then transgenerational would be like it's passed down. Okay, oh, then that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if we look at it in that way, I mean, you even think about it. Everyone may have had a great-grandfather who beat their kids like, you know, bloody. And then the, the grandfather only beat the kids a little bit less. Then your father only whipped you with a belt. And then me, I've yelled at my kids and spanked them. Or I don't know, whatever. That's just a very 
simple example of an idea of it. But obviously, it can get way more complex. The stats show, too, most people have experienced trauma. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't even say like most people, I would say all people. All yeah. people have experienced trauma, whether or not they realize it, we've all experienced trauma. And trauma is not necessarily the event itself. It's the body's response to a traumatic event. So that's where, you know, some people are more likely to respond with PTSD or depression or suicidality, self-harm, anxiety. There's a many, <laughs> I mean, take your pick, like mm -hmm. all these different representations for trauma. But it's usually the people who are more sensitive, who are more emotional or whatever that have these trauma responses and i've heard this argument okay i know i'm like totally cut you off but oh. i have this realization that i'm having just now that in parenting i've heard the argument of in order to prevent traumatic responses what you need to do is to be tough on your kids and basically traumatize them like they don't say that but like yeah. you know by beating my child or by yelling at my child or threatening my child or being angry or the or else da, 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 da. or withholding yeah withholding food or love and affection or water or being able to take a nap in order to finish a task you know that sort of thing can be incredibly damaging and in some ways they're like well it's effective it works why does it work well because the child is scared to death yeah. And is that, is it worth everything that comes after that? Is that worth them being paralyzed with fear as an adult? I personally don't believe so. And that's why I don't parent that way. This is not me shaming other parents that do that, but it's, it's like me expressing my personal belief based on science. You brought up a good thing here because we're watching this happen live real time. You said something very enlightening, which I would agree with. I bet you there could be parents who are listening who are like, oh, now I feel terrible, right? So, oh, so, yeah. so this is what's wonderful about it. This is how shame works itself into our psyche. You actually said something very helpful. Uh, you know, understanding things from a different perspective is a good thing. So why would people take it as a bad thing? Well, if we have recognized and looked in our life at our past, the, a lot of shame is like this creeping up demon we imagine of our past and it's it's this thing like oh you did this or you did that so and it wasn't good yes okay yeah so there's a way to transmute this type of thing and this is what i feel is a good thing to do with shame because to me shame only motivates someone to think less of themselves mm -hmm. to give up to not empower themselves to not be authentic and to shrink into your own cave and conform with other people don't think whereas if you look at your past and you look at what Kat just said and say, you know, I did that. I withheld love for my child. So what does that actually do for you right now? Actually, it empowers you because now you, you didn't know that back then. Otherwise, you would have done that. Right. And if you dwell on it, that's where shame comes in. But instead yeah. of dwelling on it, choose to learn from it. And this is yeah. the whole point of this podcast is learning to let go of the shame and empower yourself instead. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Okay. So... Having talked about these things, going back to the religious idea that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you have religion and you have culture. And which came first? And what are what is the difference between them? Oh, I would definitely say that they were almost simultaneous. I yeah. mean, if not simultaneous, because the culture 
feeds the religion and the religion feeds the culture yeah. it you can't have one without the other and even if it's an atheist or a pagan or whatever it doesn't matter because it still feeds each other it's a value system and that value system i mean i expressed my values in parenting and anyone who disagrees with that might have been tempted to feel shame in mm-hmm. response to hearing my values expressed because that's me expressing expectations of behavior um, based on my personal beliefs and preferences. And so even if I feel shame for how I behave religiously, they could feel shame for me expressing a positive thing. And so it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is like even these religious values that can lead to shame might not be terrible things. At least not all of them. True. Yeah, I'd agree. Like they could be well-intentioned and they can Mm -hmm. be very good things that lead to a very happy, well-lived life. However, if if we feel like no matter what we do, we're not able to live up to those standards of expectations, that's instant shame right there. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to mention that there is a study in 2009 that showed Mm -hmm. that teenagers who are more shame-prone also have more symptomology of depression and that there's a connection there and that goes back to the parenting my personal beliefs about that but even bigger than that it's like just individuals regardless of what you believe or do or practice or live you have the opportunity every single minute to combat shame to empower yourself to feel free i mean it doesn't take away like i've heard people express fear of like, well, if I remove shame, then that's going to remove the righteous guilt that leads me to repent. And I personally think when taken to the extreme, yes, it can remove an understanding of boundaries of what's good and bad or good and evil or what's appropriate and right. What is the next right thing type of thing? Like you can lose sense of all of that if you Mm -hmm. go to the extreme. However, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the unhealthy, extreme, cognitive distortion, shame that does not lead to good change. That is what we're learning to let go of. Yeah. And there's some articles that say, well, a little shame is good because then it will keep you humble. But I, I actually, I think I don't, if, think so. I don't either. We talked about Brene Brown. If you want mm-hmm. to check out some really good books, read any of Brene Brown's books because oh, yeah, she she's is excellent. Or her TED Talks. Yeah. I mean, she will hit that on the head for you too if you want more things to read about it. But shame to me, yeah, I don't think there's any reason for shame. I mean, I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any good cause for it. And I think it only... I mean, it manipulates. It manipulates very effectively. And in that way, you have this perceived control over someone else. However, this whole episode is to say that nobody has control over you except yourself. And so even if they're trying to manipulate you with shame... By doing this exercise with us, you can hopefully find release from whoever is trying to manipulate you in a toxic way. That's right. Even if it's yourself. There's another thing I was thinking of, another concept that I was thinking of. As we're talking about this, I used to be part of religion as well. And, you know, we talk about who is trying to manipulate you. And then you think, why is someone trying to manipulate you? A lot of times those motivations are shame as well. Shame and fear. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so like I can say there's a lot of things I did or we would even say from the pulpit in my previous self where I know that what I was doing was putting on this act 
because I felt like I had to, or I'd feel guilty if I didn't, or I'd feel shameful. It wasn't really authentic. Like, well, if I really say what I think, that's not going to go over too well. So I know that me, I was a part of, because the things I may have said from the pulpit, for example, and when I say the pulpit, it just means your voice. It just means if you're acting in a way in your life and shame is motivating you and you're putting a message out, even though it's inauthentic. So this does go back to authenticity because only an authentic voice will ever be empowering. I'll just say that. So if, when I had done that, I also was putting forth a message. Someone else might have looked at me and said, when you said that, I felt like I had to do that too. And then it's like everyone feels like they have to, you know, and, and no one's talking. Right. And I mean, it's authentic. You believe it. It has power to it. And I would say the only exception to that principle of authenticity is empowering is if they're authentically evil, like we were talking about before. Like there yeah. is pure intention for damaging other souls. Although if you really think about that, and we talked about an example in a previous podcast, for instance, Hitler, even though his masculine, authentic self was to hurt other people, it was still disempowering because his lack of feminine awareness didn't realize that hurting other people is actually only hurting yourself, your greater self. So in that way, I think that that principle actually still holds true of true authenticity means true empowerment. And that's in the sense of understanding yourself, which is not just your singular self, but it's also your universal self. So we're talking about shame. You shared a lot of examples and some very personal examples in your life. And you shared about how that affected you and how you felt afterwards and, and why that was so difficult. Another topic, why do victims feel shame? That's another thing. Uh, actually, I'd like to ask that to you now. Why do you think victims feel shame? Even though you didn't, you didn't, you know. Well, I, I think a good portion of why victims feel the shame is because whoever is perpetrating feels shame and they're trying to offload so that they're not carrying it, right? They're trying to deflect the responsibility for what they're doing because if they take responsibility, that's even more shame. And it can be unbearable, especially with some of the horrific things that can be done. So personally, I believe that victims feel shame because they're falling short of social expectations, such as the perceived understanding of what like sexual sin is or isn't. Where, you know, for my example, I perceived that anything, regardless, even if it was assault, was a sin to be on the receiving end. That the cake, so to speak, was unbaked and then messed up or that the frosting was smeared and there's no way to fix it. You know, like in, my aunt is an excellent baker and chocolate maker and all this stuff, like chocolatier. So it's a very real example to me. I've seen it happen in the kitchen when she's making those chocolates or making those cakes or whatever. And, and it's like you can't fix it beyond a certain point. And so my understanding was very much like a the chewed gum example that you've talked to me about off air but let's share that yeah like that you can't go back that once you're you've lost it you've lost it and even if it wasn't consensual and that's not true yeah there and was... i think elizabeth smart is a really really good example of this and she's actually got a foundation in salt lake that i super appreciate well that's great yeah so yeah the chewed gum i mean this is other ways that shame keeps propagating itself through culture or religion or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's it's good intention. Like people are yeah. trying to find a way to teach this really difficult concept of sexual purity 
and virginity and saving it for marriage and that special someone and all this stuff and it's like that's not necessarily a bad thing it's the way that it's being taught in some cases not all cases but in some cases it can be taught in a very damaging way that creates much much more shame way more questions and misunderstanding confusion feeling lost or or like you've let a whole bunch of people down I felt completely lost. Like I, I didn't want to come back from India. My flight was canceled. I didn't even realize it. My husband called and was like, hey, do you know your flight's canceled? And I'm like, uh, no. And this is how all of it came about is because, I mean, he could tell just that something was wrong, right? And I mean, it's a very interesting thing of like, that I didn't think that he would want me back mm. because of that fundamental belief that I had a, like from a young child and repeatedly told to me over and over and over through one damaging analogy after another or one metaphor after another it's, or quite literally like that I would be unwanted if anyone touched me mm. that no one would want to marry me no one would whatever and and marriage is like in Christianity, that is like the goal is to get married and to have kids as a woman. And that is like, it came across in my cognitive distortion as that is my only value, my only purpose on earth. And at one point I even got to the, you know, like I got to a point where I believed that my only purpose on earth was to please men, which was a very warped version of this because I felt like I wasn't good at being a good Christian woman because these things kept happening regardless of their ethnicity, their religion, blah, blah, blah. And I definitely had a part in it at this point. I, I mean, like my behavior and my response was trained. Like I, I would respond in a similar way every time because that was the way to survive. Right. So there's a lot of things going on here. First of all, we're talking about the chewed bubblegum or being a, a messed up frosting on the cake. And that refers to some people, leaders in a certain religious institution, and really probably all over. It's not just, again, limited to one place. But this idea that if you commit sexual sin, then you are messed up and, you know, you're a chewed piece of gum. So, would you rather pick a nice, fresh piece of gum or a chewed up piece of gum? And what is so harmful about this way of thinking, which relates to all forms of shame, is that somehow you're deficient. And if you mess up, you know, it's this fear of ever doing anything wrong. That fear of ever doing anything wrong or being anything bad prevents you from looking into yourself. We just had a podcast about the shadow self, about feminine knowledge and awareness. And... So then we are less authentic, and whenever we're less authentic, we lose power, and we are less powerful. So that's some key things of points that I'm thinking about while you're talking about this. And also along with that, you know, I really believe authenticity is the most empowering form that you can ever take and choose for yourself. So if any motivation of yours is out of fear, then, you know, the less authentic it, it is. That's what it comes down to. If you are living or acting out of fear, then you are not living for yourself. So who are you living for? And I mean, what are your actions that you're doing in your life for? 
that's why authenticity is so powerful and so empowering because once you know who you are, you shed all these other things that are just thrown upon you from society or from, you know, your family upbringing. I'm talking about the negative things. And you realize that the power to create your own self is right inside of you. It goes back to the soul mirror method and journaling and why that's so powerful. But really the power is within you. And this is where that feminine knowledge and intuition really comes into play because if you can tap into that and realize that the whole universe is you that there's synchronicities there's spiritual messages meant just for you that can guide you if you look for it then that can help you break away from only seeing your masculine singular identity that's the identity that only sees this world and only compares yourself to others and only thinks you know that's where shame comes from because you think there's something wrong with you or you're comparing yourself to some other standard that's not really you. Whereas if you have that feminine awareness, you can tap into the universe. You can actually see and validate yourself and you will get messages and things that direct you to where you can start to define your singular self in a way that's so authentic and powerful uh, that you won't need to fall into these traps. Uh, And that's what real faith is. And that's why unlocking that feminine power, that intuition, uh, fostering, bringing that back into the world is, is going to be such an empowering thing for all of humanity. So, yeah. So this is where I believe that, you know, I, I asked before if, if it's, is this religion come first, does culture come first, or like an organization? I think it's all culture. I think everything is culture. I think all religions come out of culture as well. And what I'm saying by that is because someone were to say, well, you know, there's a church here. What is that? Well, it's a group of some parts of me. If I'm thinking of soul mirror concept, I'm saying that's part of me. What about, you know, the whole rest of me, at least here, is is the whole rest of the planet. In other words, we're all in this together. So if there's churches, how much of that is authentic action and how much of that is people going along with stuff because they have to and how much of it is propaganda or this, you know what I mean? I'm just saying like... Yeah, how do we separate it? How do we separate where it's all coming from? And, and ultimately, the soul lunar centering or balancing is going to allow us to let go of that, that it doesn't matter where it's coming from, what's creating it. It doesn't matter what's initiating the shame or the guilt or whatever, or whether it's religious or not. It's going to allow us to be in control and see that we have control over whether or not we feel shame. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to empower us. And I think another really important skill to have is to be able to identify when an outside influence is going to cause you shame if you give in to it. So there's a lot of things that could come from social media, that can come from you know a religious group, it can come from a political group, it can come from your family and friends, peers. Being able to identify and recognize that as it's happening will help you combat against it anything telling you that there's something wrong with you because there's never anything wrong with you at the end of the day even if you've made mistakes that's a learning opportunity it's not that there's something wrong with you maybe share one like there was one quote that you were talking about sharing that i thought would be interesting i thought i'd just share a book title again this goes back to the homosexual or transgender or intersex issues where people are feeling shame For instance, this is just one book that I found in a thrift store that was sold back in not too long ago. The 90s looks like it's called Born That Way, a true story of overcoming same-sex attraction with insights from friends, families, and leaders. 
Yeah, so I mean, the title in and of itself, while it's good intention based on their values and belief system, it's shaming. Right. So if I were a gay person uh, thinking about and hearing the title of that book, uh, I might ask myself first, okay, who am I? I'm the one that gets to decide who my authentic self is. So what are my actual sexual attractions, regardless of what this other person's book says? Okay. Now, if you can look in yourself and say, all right, is there any harm by living the way I truly am in this way as a homosexual, for example? Well, no. In fact, there's probably a lot of good things. You can connect with people you want to. You can show love in, in that way and experience love. It's not harming anybody. Okay, so check that box. So then fully embrace who you, who you are at that point. Then I would say a good way to think about it is, hey, this other person who wrote this book, that's their journey and whatever they're saying, but it has nothing to do with me. It's a very difficult thing to do with peer pressure and, and, and living in this society, but it really you are the one in charge of you and you're perfect the way you are. You're literally the whole universe. So no one can say that one part of the universe is better than any other part of the universe. And the other thing to realize, and this is soul mirror method 101, is that if anyone is judging you or casting their shame upon you or giving you that feeling, you know what that's like, you feel it, just realize that they don't truly understand themselves because if they did, they would be much more understanding of you. For example, I knew at a very young age that I, I was straight, 100%. It's not even an issue or a question for me. So the fact that I know that, and it's just knowing myself so well, well, that's how exactly I know that if someone is homosexual, you really are homosexual, because it's not like I would just suddenly become homosexual. So if you have those sexual feelings towards another gender, for example, or if you're born with different sex parts, I mean, there's a lot of people in this category that are experiencing this. Why is it so hard to just be understanding that your experience is valid? So if you can take that standpoint and realize, if anyone's judging you, it could be sexuality, it could be anything though. It could just be the way you want to live your life. It could be all kinds of different things that the rest of the world is down on you for. If you can just realize that anyone who's down on you, giving you this judgmentalism and all this stuff, they're not very self-aware. And they, they could do a lot better because the more self-aware they'd be, the more understanding they'd be to you and towards you. So... That's just some tips and tools to help combat shame as it starts arising. Look at how far we've come that we can talk about these issues without being like, here's a buttload of shame. <laughs> you know? Right, right. I don't know. Like society keeps growing and it's, it's incredible. It does. I think we need a hot chocolate break. I need more right. hot chocolate, maybe a cup of noodles, and then we can come back and finish this. Sounds great. All right, we'll take a little break here and be right back. During this hot chocolate break, we invite you to not only get hot chocolate for yourself, but also to purchase your tickets to the experience, so lunar centering at our mirror gazing event at City Bird in Salt Lake City on November 30th at 7 p.m. We would love to have you there for some delicious food, experiences, meditation, self-reflection, and some guided journaling. Don't forget, soulmirror.health is the website, and you can head on over right now and get your Black Friday discount. The gummy bears made a comeback. They did, and so did you all. Thanks for coming back. During the break, Kat made a notice that the hot chocolate stain on her dress was not quite as bad as she thought it would be. Yeah, and I think it's actually going to come out really easily, like literally just with water. And... 
what's beautiful about that is that's just what shame is too. We think it's going to be such a, <laughs> a stain, stain on ourselves. Our <laughs> but maybe it's not so bad when we, we understand the true nature of ourselves. So the other thing we talked about a little bit while we're eating our noodles. So, you know, Kat, you'd asked, well, shoot, am I oversharing? And yeah, as soon as we like turned off the mic, I was like, shoot, is that oversharing? Like I don't, like I'm fairly open about a lot of things, but I also want it to be an appropriate context. And that's a sign of trauma is oversharing, but it's also been seven years that I've been in recovery. Yeah. And you know, I, I think <laughs> it's funny because I, I relate with that. But when I talk about things too, I notice I'm like, well, I'm just talking a lot. But in this case, two things I'd like to say on that when we're oversharing trauma or what that concept is is embodying here. First of all, in order to really heal all the trauma in our intergenerational... Transgenerational. Oh my gosh, thank you. In our (laughs) transgenerational trauma and shame that's going down, it's actually going to take all of society to be aware of this. So in other words, oversharing is from the perspective of a society... That Isn't, doesn't listen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're oversharing because we want to be heard. There's a, that like yes. part of us that needs to be heard. Like if you've heard of IFS therapy, I've been reading the manual, like one of them. And just <laughs> while I'm working grave shifts at the treatment facility, you know, I like put in my AirPod and I'm listening to this. But I mean, that's what it talks about is like the different parts of ourselves that need to be heard. And I'm wondering if that's, I mean, is that exactly what you're talking about? Yeah. I am saying that, yeah, if you go to someone and you just start talking and you can see their eyes like, oh, what is going on here? Okay, that's oversharing because, yeah, they're not ready to handle it. In this case, because it's a podcast, you gave a good waiver at the beginning or a, a what is that Yeah, called? and I, like a... Warning. Yeah, a warning. <laughs> we gave like a trigger warning at the mm-hmm. beginning and kind of like a, hey, this episode is going to contain some possibly really mm-hmm. controversial and triggering things. But yeah, I... You know, like coming back to it, it's probably not oversharing because there's a lot that I'm not telling. There's so much that I'm leaving out Mm -hmm. and it's out of respect for our listeners as well as the people involved in the situations, as well as realizing that it's also not oversharing because this is the topic of the podcast. So it's, it's quite literally... I'm being interviewed by you. Yeah, very true. And you asked for it <laughs> instead of me just sharing it. And so, yeah, I guess I, I just answered my own question. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And so if we want to raise our vibration, if we want to like all ascend, oversharing is going to become less of a thing because number one, it, like we want to heal the trauma in our world. And so we want to hear it. We want to handle this. We want to face it. And number two, the trauma will be healed more. And so there won't be as much needed to share it anyway. You know, this might take place transgenerationally yes yeah no i i think that the more that we recognize that trauma can be passed down from one generation to the next from one parent to the child or even sibling to sibling that sort of thing when we take control of the shame instead of the shame taking control of us then we can be a stop to that transgenerational trauma we can heal it and stop it in its tracks quite literally and i think it's interesting that you mentioned that it is healing like and that just made me think of biologically our body is trying to heal so perhaps the urge and need to share what has happened is your body and your spirit and your mind expressing this need to heal to detox to build a scab so to speak and then a scar and 
and let it go. And maybe the oversharing happens because there hasn't been anyone holding space for that. So, you know, or you haven't received what you need in order to heal. 100%. I agree. All right. So I think it's important to address shame and holding on to the pain because it's my personal belief and discovery through the healing process that you have to be ready to change. You have to be ready to let go. And by letting go, I mean, we've talked about this on a previous episode, you're literally letting go of a part of yourself, a part of what you've perceived your identity to be. And you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready to fill it in with something even better, something less painful, something that will allow you to still see the growth and see the learning and reflect and you know, like what happened isn't going to go away, whatever it is, it will be there forever. However, how you take that and move forward, that's what we're talking about. So we're letting go of the unhelpful part and we're inviting in a more helpful part that fulfills and allows for healing. So that is really for me, like letting go, you just have to be ready. You have to be ready to let go of that part and have the tools and the skills and enough healing to replace it so you don't end up crashing, you know? Yeah. So it's not about forgetting, like trying to block out, because actually that's what actually causes shame is we block out what happened. So it's not about forgetting. Repression Repression is not good. Yeah. It's really just dropping the ideation around it that you are bad, there's something wrong with you, you're terrible, blah, 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 all that negative stuff. It's just dropping all that and having that space for change for how you can empower yourself now if you're ready for it. And then you can talk about it. It's a whole different thing now. Now it's like you can share those things. You can even share how you felt about it and how it did make you feel. Totally fine. But it is more of an understanding and acceptance of yourself as a perfect universe and that your past, your shadow self, And all those things you're brave enough to look at and use it only for your gain and for your purposes to empower yourself. It's an empowerment. So that's what we're talking about. Now I'm going to put a little bit of a, I mean, I think we're going to do another episode on past lives and University of Virginia doing a study on children who are remembering past lives and how trauma literally, like if someone was killed with a gunshot to the head on the left side, there may be a child with memories of that who has a deformed ear on the left side as well. That's a whole other show. Just a little exciting oh, geez, that's thing interesting. to drop in. And we can get a really good guess for our past lives episode. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, but for now, we're going to move into some salooner centering. Kat, you have really spent a lot of energy. appreciate you so much for sharing your authentic self. And so this part of salooner centering, I'm just going to say and talk about some things, invite you to listen, and then just simply tell me, how you feel, how your thoughts about yourself are after just considering these things. Sounds good. Okay. In talking about shame, we talked about, uh, and in the soul mirror method, we talk about these two different identities that we have. And we talk about masculine and feminine. Again, throw out, don't throw out your sex parts. That's not what I mean when I say this, but throw out your, your connection with gender and you having male sex parts or female sex parts because these concepts are in all of us. It's symbolic. The masculine self is exactly where shame lives, mostly. But let's for now, that's what we're going to talk about. 
Now, the masculine self is your personal identity. That's the identity of you that is just Rhett or just Cat or just Bill or whoever you are out there with your name. Your sole masculine identity is your singular personal identity that is separate from everyone else and everything else. Why does shame basically exist in that identity? Now, thinking about that, let's pull our minds back a bit. Let's go back to the feminine side now. The feminine identity that you have, once again, if you look at the whole universe of which you're part of, that is one thing. It is one thing with lots of space between many little things, which are little identities. And so you are the whole universe. Everyone else and everything in it is really a reflection of yourself. So anything that you've done in your life, technically, the universe has done. And this makes a lot of sense if you think about it, even logically, because you're part of the universe. So anything you've done, the universe has done. If you look at your past, things you're ashamed of, embarrassed of, or feel terrible about, well, the universe did that. This also relates to the shadow self, by the way, and understanding how to transmute this type of thing. It's the feminine knowledge, it's the feminine awareness and understanding that allows you to do this. You think about all the atrocities in the world, and believe me, there are many. We won't get into those because I think it would blow people's minds. The general public, I don't think, knows what goes on among the highest upper echelon uh, in the world. But all the things that have happened, I mean, okay, let's just talk about Hitler since we've done that. Hitler happened, and guess what? That was the universe. The universe did that. Okay, I'm not trying to equate you with Hitler in a way to make you feel bad or shameful, but really, in a way, in a soul mirror, shadow self, understanding that as the universe, you can see that everything you've done is perfect in the sense that you can use that to define who you are now. You know, a lot of people actually are mad at the universe. They look at all the atrocities that happen in life and they think, how could this happen? I mean, it is pretty terrible. Some of the things that have happened are absolutely horrible. But if you're going to look at it in an empowering way, in a way that takes responsibility for your life and all of creation, which you are, you're God, you are you, we're everything, then you can take responsibility for everything, confront your shadow self, confront your demons, look inside and see that you actually have all the power to decide who you want to be right now. And no one can take that power away from you unless you give it to them. Now start looking at what is happening individually, even like intergenerationally, transgenerationally. (laughs) (laughs) Start looking through that. And when we talk about the Big Bang, we were all in about the size of perhaps my hand, let's say. It could be argued. The whole universe and everything in it. That's you, your brothers and sisters, your people you don't even know, aliens on the planet Mars, aliens in the Andromeda galaxy. I'm I'm saying every single thing, potentially up to 300 billion galaxies with more than 100 billion stars, everything. That's you. After the Big Bang or the expansion, whatever you want to call it, science is always trying to figure this out. This inflationary period of the universe, there's space between us. Consciousness also separates that's what gives you your masculine identity even if you're a woman that's not what we're talking about we're just talking about your singular identity you are a person 
But think about this. If you are everyone and everything's a reflection of you, we've talked about the shadow self. We've talked about how we project our own things on other people. And what does that do? If it's shame, we're projecting that out. And then does someone else take that upon their individual identity and think that's who their individual identity is and then pass that on? Absolutely. Just from thinking from this perspective, is there anything different that you think about yourself, Kat? Or how does that make you feel or understand things you, you may have experienced? Specifically focusing on shame? Yeah, I guess if we're talking about that? shame. Any aspect of shame. It doesn't even have to be specifically what you spoke of. It could be just the general concept of feelings of shame. Yeah. Well, I personally feel like the connection between all of us helps remove the shame a lot. It doesn't completely remove it, but it can provide like this springboard to magnify removing it when we make that choice. Because I see myself as being part of a greater whole, regardless of what happens to me or anyone else. But me specifically, you know, it could be like no matter what choices I make or what choices I have been on the receiving end for, I am still of value and I still have potential to share light and be connected to a greater good, basically. And that's what I personally glean from what you've just said. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I believe we are gods, all of us, or goddesses, whatever you want to call it. We are the creators of our own life. That's the most empowering, authentic stance we can have. And we are. I mean, look, we're the universe. So in that sense, yeah, bad things happen. And it doesn't mean it's easy to handle these things at all. And and there's there's a lot of things. So this isn't a saying, hey, just get over it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there is power in a process that you can take to actually face those things or to incorporate them in a way that can be positive. So what can help that process is understanding that you're the whole universe. There's a Sumerian poem or legend called The Descent of Inanna. This thing was written in like 1900 BC or so, uh, talking about Inanna, the great queen of heaven, and she wanted to go and visit her sister in the underworld. She passes through seven levels of basically disrobing she has you know all of her clothing on and each level as she descends she takes something off until she's totally naked totally vulnerable totally stripped of everything and when inanna asks her sister why this indignity her sister responds quiet inanna the ways of the underworld are perfect they may not be questioned then a lot of judges of the underworld surround inanna and pass judgment against her and then inanna's sister this is quoting from the text fastened on inanna the eye of death She spoke against her the word of wrath. She uttered against her the cry of guilt. She struck her. Inanna was turned into a corpse, a piece of rotting meat, and was hung from a hook on the wall. So Inanna's father sends two little fly helpers, so to speak. Interesting because it specifies that they're neither male nor female, which I think is symbolic of this masculine and feminine. And they go down to the seven levels. And when they get there, Inanna's sister is pregnant and in labor and in a lot of pain. And... And actually about to give birth. And the king from up above had instructed the flies. Because what do you do now? You know, she's dead. It's happened. He instructs the flies to 
empathize and sympathize with the sister who is now in labor. So when she wailed out and says, oh, it hurts, you know, the, the flies all said, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. And I empathize with you. Oh, you know, all this pain. And they were there to support her. She gave birth. Hinana's sister is so happy that she grants them any wish they want. The little flies say, we wish only the corpse that hangs from the hook on the wall. So they take Inanna and revive her with food and water of life. And she rises from the dead and starts a journey back up. And I think that's very symbolic of a lot of things. There's a victim there. There's a trauma there. There's a traumatizer. There's people who now do we, you know, what do we do with someone? Or excuse me. Why do the abused often become abusers? And that happens. How do we actually change that process? Well, this legend of ancient wisdom is symbolic to me in a lot of ways of that greater feminine understanding of our connectedness to everything and of handling trauma. You know, it happened and no one wanted her to get murdered, but look what was born out of it and how that was. There's just a lot in that story to think about, but I just like to finalize my thought process there of just saying, if you can think of yourself and realize that you are the universe, that means that your friend out there or the group of people that you're being a part of or trying to be a part of, they're not any better than you. They're not any worse than you, but there's no reason that you can't literally be who you are and not be okay. You can literally be who you are. You can literally put forth your voice, put forth your true authentic self. And that's totally awesome. And if other people don't accept you for who you are, they're the ones that don't have the understanding. And it can be very lonely. I'm not saying this is an easy process to just say, you know, society says you're terrible and you're like, no, I'm not. It's hard. You're the one in the right position though. If it's your true authentic good self and you understand your masculine and feminine identity, you're not trying to hurt other people. Cause that's you. That's another part of you. That's what I'd like to close in, in terms of that concept. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So with Solunar centering, like what exactly would be the exercise that we might do at our event? You know, you, you did ask me a question of like, how does this perspective change my understanding of shame? And then you discuss the story and, and more perspective. So now what would be the actual exercise? So the exercise of cylinder centering would be to look at the symbolism of the masculine, look at the symbolism of the feminine and identify that in yourself. That's a part of it. And it's a journaling process. So with the shame, I mean, obviously we're not journaling right now, but just give a little microcosm example so that people can begin working on developing this skill. And then you guys are welcome to also join us at the event to get more in depth in analyzing and and reflecting on this in yourself to make change for, you know, powerful change for the positive and empowering yourself. So in the context of shame and what we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. the masculine in me would be the shame is what you're saying and the feminine would be the empathy there's two things going on in there the masculine doesn't have to feel shame but it Mm. is feeling shame because a masculine misrepresentation of self for instance if the masculine doesn't have the feminine understanding that you're also the whole universe and we all do this so this isn't like i mean I, i still do this to myself but conceptually if you know that you're the universe then is there anything really wrong with you? 
as compared to anyone else. That's the, the idea of what we're saying. In other words, we all blew up from the same thing. So does, does your little speck of you any worse than any other speck of you as well? Since we're mm. all the same, that's the feminine. We're all part of the same essence. So everything you do, the universe is doing, and there's no reason to judge yourself down or lower yourself as though you're anything less than the universe, which is perfect. Right. So to take it into the journaling activity, so the what journal- would be like a prompt question that I could answer here today? So you could ask yourself, you could look from the masculine sense and say, where is this shame? What am I feeling ashamed of? And literally face it. It's all those ugly things that were uncomfortable at first. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm tainted. I'm dirty. I'm bad. Right. So, so everything that I was saying earlier in that context is, you know, like I'm not living up to the Christian values. I'm not a good Christian woman. I am not a Mm -hmm. good Christian wife, you know, like that type of stuff. That would be the uh, shame triggers basically. Mm -hmm. And then understand that's from the masculine sense. And now keep writing and switch your focus. Now write from the perspective of your feminine awareness that you're everything and address the same thing. Okay, so then instead of being like, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, it would be like, I am creative, I have potential, I have, you know, the light within that we talked about, that divine nature that we all have, and the potential for good, stuff like that. Am I on the right track there? You know, like, but you could get as specific or personal as you want, right? Yeah, you definitely can. I think it does get into a very difficult phase because if the universe is a reflection of yourself, then even the bad things that happen Mm -hmm. is a reflection of yourself. Now, that's very hard, especially if you're a victim of something because it's not like you asked for that. Right. So so instead of seeing myself as the victim, I could see that those things happened and learn from it. Yes, that is. So that would be the lunar centering is taking me out of the, the victim mindset and the shaming and empowering me to be able to say, yeah, I'm not going to let other people control me anymore. Yeah. And I don't need to feel shame for those things. That's right. Yes. Because... It does a couple things. It helps take away the shame. Because, yeah, like we talked about before, victims feel shame. Why? You didn't do anything wrong. You know, you're the victim. Okay. So you're right. Wait a minute. Why should I even be embarrassed to talk about this? Or why should I? It's all the shoulds, right? Yeah, there's no reason to. And then also it empowers you to not be the victim anymore. It did happen. It's in the past. But you're here now. You're in the present. Mm -hmm. And you have all the power to create you right now. And I think a part of that would probably also be acknowledging my part that I played in that without shaming myself, you know, because a lot of, I don't know, at least during the healing process, it felt so shaming to be like, yeah, well, choices you made brought this on yourself, you know, like, and maybe what they were intending to say was like, well, yeah, there were behavioral patterns that had they not been programmed there, you know, and had I gone through therapy and all this stuff beforehand, before this traumatic event, then I would have been more aptly prepared to respond differently. 
And so now that we're addressing it, if there is a future event, then I'm more aptly prepared to respond differently, you know, and, and that is quite literally removing the victimhood where it's not everyone else's fault that I have no ability or control. And it, instead it's like, no, I have all of the control that I would like, you know, there's certain things that could happen that maybe, you know, like if, if there's restraints or weapons or blah, blah, blah involved, I don't know, but how, how deep we want to get into that. But obviously there's definitely situations that people have been in Mm -hmm. that they had no control in terms of what was physically being done. However, what was emotionally happening in their mind, that is what affects your response in trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And again, having said all these things, we are not being insensitive. There are some traumatic things that have happened to people that would probably blow people's mind. Like, you know, you'd probably barely survived if you're a listener out there. And so the key that we're talking about here is really just putting the power back in your hands. If you're not ready to think about this or to face it, that's okay. Then don't just protect yourself for where you're at, at whatever level you're at, because granted, not every level of trauma is the same. Not every level of control you have in the trauma is the same. Some people are literally powerless, as Kat said. So and when we talk about triggers, this is another thing that I think is really good. It's okay. Like, that's another thing you don't have to be ashamed of. If it's too much to handle right now, okay, you are just fine the way you are in feeling however you're feeling. Then take your time. Just when you're ready to or you want to, then you can start to take that control in your life and doing that. So, Oh, for sure. And this doesn't replace therapy at all. Right. Right. Not, like yeah. this is just something that's like a life skill outside of therapy. So we would definitely not say do this instead of therapy. Like you should be going to therapy regardless of whether or not you have trauma responses or representations in your life or symptoms or whatever. Like every, I personally believe everyone should be. Oh, again, there's a values assertion there. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but I personally believe that therapy is a maintenance thing. It's a preventative thing as well as a healing thing. And then we move to life skills and processing and coping and, you know, this type of stuff, which is really what soul mirror experiences is about, um, using the soul mirror method in order to rehabilitate, reintegrate, as well as to heal or develop healthier habits and communication with yourself and others, even to change your career path this method could be applicable and it all comes down to starting here, establishing what shame exists in you and what you're going to allow to stay there, you know, and what you're going to be like, no, I'm done. I'm done holding on to this. Like I don't need this shame anymore. It's not serving me anymore. I have something else to replace it, which is empowerment. Amen. That came from my religious background. (laughs) well i think it's now become a cultural thing right like (laughs) amen just means that we agree yeah so there you go awesome all right so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the podcast today we have a lot that we can talk about going forward and i'd just like to say kat shame off you (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) i appreciate that no more shame here we're good okay we will see you guys in the next episode we would be more than happy to 
work through some of identifying your shame points or things that you would like to see change in your life and the masculine and feminine balancing energies and the lunar centering experience on November 30th. So head on over to soulmirror.health and we'll see you next time. Thank you.